all you have. You are now tuned in to Marcus Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darvetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy because I can't get over this dang cold. I have been sick for like a month and it is whooping my butt. I have my good and bad days, but dang. Being sick when you are taking medications for MS just sucks because the medication they got me on basically kills your immune system since that's what's attacking my nerves. So it's like, dang, I can't win for losing. But just like the last couple of episodes, I'm gonna try to power through it. So let's get to some news and rumors. Okay, what do we got for today? Before I get too far, I know I'm gonna mess these names up. So please bear with me. Damon Lindelof, 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 I don't know how to say it, is developing a Star Wars film. The mind behind Lost, Leftover, and The Watchmen is working on a future Star Wars film, and it now has the director. Deadline reports that Damon is co-writing his script, and the movie will be directed by Shermin Abadad Chanoi. Yeah, I guess that's right. I don't know how to say it. Who directed two episodes of Miss Marvel. Damon is a longtime Star Wars fan, and earlier this week, rumors began to circulate that he was co-writing for the franchise. Now the trade reports that while the film is still being written, Shermin has been hired on so she can have her input on the development. There's no word on what the film will be about or when it could come out, but we do know that it is not in the immediate future. IO9 sources have heard that Taika's film, whatever that is, was likely to be next, but Deadline says this movie has the most momentum out of all the films currently in development. Which yes, that means Lucasfilms is developing multiple projects for the big screen, but they don't want to rush it, especially with the franchise finding new life on Disney+. Disney's release schedule doesn't have a Star Wars film coming out until 2025, but we are going to take that with a grain of salt. Lucasfilms hasn't done the best with their scheduling, and 2025 seems a long way away, but with shows like The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Andor, it makes a lot of sense for the company to take its time. The day gives the company time to let the project develop, then eventually decide which movie will be in the theaters next. Rogue Squadron was supposed to be the first film post-sequel, but that was officially taken off the schedule earlier this year. But this news really isn't that surprising, because Damon had expressed his interest in Star Wars as a fan, but not really as a creative force. You almost got the sense it was something that he was scared to tackle, which suggests if he is writing a script now, it is something that he is passionate about, and that's exciting. What do you think about Damon doing a Star Wars movie? Send us an email and let us know. Now I think it's time for a fun fact. And I know we haven't done one in a couple of weeks because you guys have flooded us with emails about it. So we thought that we would do one this week. Plus this week's chapter is kind of short, so we thought, hey, what the heck. Now this is something that I think I heard before, but I'm not sure. Did you know that the Battle of Endor was originally supposed to be the Battle of Kashyyyk? In early drafts of the final battle between the Rebellion and the Empire, it was all supposed to take place on the planet Kashyyyk, with Chewie and the Wookiees battling the Empire. The idea was eventually scrapped because Lucas wanted the thematic thrust of the scene, a primitive society helping to defeat a techno-advanced one. Within the Star Wars universe, Wookiees are a techno-advanced species. They pilot ships like the Millennium Falcon, after all. So the lesser evolved similar species of Ewoks were created, and the final battle was switched to Endor. And it's kind of crazy if you think about it because Wookiees do know some technology. So it's just the way that it is. Now let's get to what we came to hear, part 20 of Star Wars Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Anakin was having some trouble with some younglings. They were now on a spaceship, so they were testing their limits and Anakin's patience. So let's see what's happening now. 
Rogue Quornom. Rogue really, really hoped Kitar would not let the moment get the best of him. Especially since the Jedi now held a glowing laser sword in front of him. I said freeze. Kitar's voice came over their shared comm channel, just a fraction of a second off from the real-life view she had in her sniper scope. The Jedi emissary stepped back in slow and controlled movements, and though his weapon was still up in a defensive position, his posture showed a complete lack of aggression. Rug had heard plenty about the Jedi Knights, of course. Anyone in any military had. But most of her time in the Namorian Special Forces involved Black Ops, usually in the Outer Rim, protecting or sabotaging supply lanes, blockades, and other missions where the needs of Namorians and the needs of the Trade Federation overlapped. Which meant it usually didn't involve the more proper nature of the Jedi. I heard you, and I am abiding, the Jedi said. A man by the name of Obi-Wan Kenobi, if she remembered correctly from the overheard discussion during their shift earlier today. Nothing official had been passed to them. Guards handling grunt work apparently weren't on a need-to-know basis. Rogue held her rifle steady, though she glanced down at the spectrometer at her feet. The small display showing that it had finished processing its chemical residue scan. She reached down and quickly attached it to her belt before returning to the unfolding scene. But he projected his voice out much louder, and despite the lack of light, she saw his silhouette turn her way. I mean you no harm. He spoke directly to her, not Kitar. The Jedi took one hand off his blade's hilt, holding it palm up, then methodically backed up several steps, his angle twisting to likely keep an eye on both Rube and her young partner. Kitar shifted, and in the scope, light from the laser sword reflected lines on his face, a clear hardening underneath the angled brim of his standard guard helmet. I am not your enemy, the Jedi said, this time in a calm and quiet voice meant probably for Kitar. Part of being an elite commando meant reading people, seeing their actions before they happened through any possible ticks or tells. Here, the Jedi offered a calm neutrality. And though this might have been due to their supposed mystical powers, Rue got a hint of sincerity from the situation. Still, nothing was certain, especially not under current galactic circumstances. It's illegal for anyone to be below the fog without a permit at this time of night, she yelled. Especially in an investigation site. They stood still. The hum of the Jedi's weapon captured clearly over Kitar's comm channel until the howl of the planet's wildlife broke through. Fog rolled over the wrecked building, though the glowing blade emitted enough light to remain visible in her scope without any thermal vision or other augmented views. I don't have a permit, the Jedi shouted back. But I am conducting an investigation. We know who you are, Kitar growled. 
You're here to cover up the evidence of the Republic's sabotage. He stepped closer, his pistol up, and despite the dim conditions, the barrel of the weapon showed a clear tremble. You're trying to get away with murder. And destruction. destruction. I am on an invest. Liar! Liar! The entire cycle of emotions constantly burned through Kitar since their first visit to Katasura. And investigating on the surface didn't change anything. Anger, grief, despair, concentration, and then back again. Right now, the Jedi Emissary may have encountered them at the exact wrong moment in the cycle. And Kitar's voice clearly showed where his mind was. After their guard shift today, he promised to get some rest before their evening investigation. Something she'd offered to Kitar to keep him constructively occupied, instead of blasting training droids. Though based on the sudden shift in his demeanor, she had a sneaking suspicion that he'd sought the company of the Separatist agent instead of taking a nap. You, you are here, are to, here to... Kitar! She yelled. She knew enough about Jedi to understand that their weapons cut through anything. And if her partner didn't realize that, then she'd fill him in later. For now, she needed to dial down the situation. Patience. He deserves a moment to speak. You, Jedi. You better have a good reason for being here. The Jedi glanced her way, a thoughtful look visible through her scope, and his voice carried that through as well. I am on an investigation on behalf of the Republic, at the invitation of the Trade Federation. I am of the firm belief that this disaster was not caused by the Republic, and my goal is to prove that and find the true culprit. You were down here down earlier with the others. the others. Kita shook the pistol at him. He must have talked with Dooku's agent, because even Rude didn't know that. Why, Why sneak With no oversight, with no, oversight no official, no official escort. escort? My investigation. He searched for the right words, and Rude appreciated the careful consideration being applied here. My investigation required more time. Given the level of bureaucracy accompanying me, the window for an efficient process was shrinking. It was critical to scan and assess tonight, given the rate of decay for evidence in such a harsh environment. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Bureaucracy. Rue wondered if that meant the separatist woman. She seemed the troublemaking type. Do you, Do you actually, actually believe this Jedi? this Jedi? Kitar yelled over to her. The actual guilty party doesn't matter to me, he continued, maintaining a calm and deliberate voice. I believe the Republic is innocent. But if it turns out to be some unknown faction claiming to serve the Republic, so be it. Or if it was done on behalf of the Separatists. All I want is the truth. 
And he paused, then pointed at her with his free hand. I can see you are investigating as well. I watched the way you studied the remains. It appears this is what we both want. So perhaps we can work together. The hand holding his weapon stretched up in a controlled motion, raising it high for both Neymordians to see. The shining blue blade quickly snapped back into the hilt, leaving them in near dark. A new light appeared, a personal lamp beaming from Kitar's shoulder that changed the complexion of the scene. A swift change in the shadows caught Rug's eye, enough to show that the switch in light might have caught the attention of something. Rug changed her scope to thermal vision, the clarity of the real-world view becoming pixelated, burnt figures against a blue backdrop. The Jedi lowered his hilt to place it on the cool ground of the planet's surface. I work in good faith. He raised both hands, then stood and took two steps back. And then she saw it. Her shoulders tensed, locking the rifle into a steadying position, and her finger readied for the right moment, the right shot. This is a token of... A flash erupted from Rube's rifle, and through her scope, she watched as the Jedi didn't flinch, didn't even move. The blaster bolt whizzed a meter over him, soon followed by a beastly howl that rang into the night. With that, Rogue slung her sniper rifle onto her back and began bounding down, landing on debris that crumbled upon impact and vaulting forward over chunks of broken buildings. She hit the surface floor running, hurtling over obstacles while her focus shifted from the Jedi to the large furry creature with four stumpy legs writhing on the ground, yelping in pain. Had it been upright, it would have towered over Kitar and the Jedi. But here, it needed help. I need a med pack, she yelled. Kitar, get out some rations as well. Her feet pounded, dust clouds floating up and mixing into the fog with each step, and she charged past the Jedi over to the fallen beast. Feed it the rations while I patch the wound, she yelled, taking the med pack from Kitar in mid-stride. Kitar moved to the animal, its girthy belly heaving with each breath and large ears tilting forward. Corgi beasts are gentle, but they get hungry. There you are, girl. We'll get you through this. It caught the aroma of the rations, and soon it nibbled out of Kitar's hand while Ruga dressed the shoulder wound with Bakdan laser sutures. This whole mess has affected the local wildlife. It's not their fault their food chain has been disrupted. Normally, they're very docile. She said as the Jedi came over as well, one hand on the creature's forehead, and seconds later, its wine became a controlled, steady breath. They lose their minds a little when they get hungry. You're saying I was its dinner? The Jedi asked. Never doubt the appetite of a corgi beast, Rook said with a laugh. She moved over, giving it scratches under its neck, loose hairs tossing into the air. Or the amount they shed. You're a good girl, aren't you? The corgi beast nudged the sniper with its black nose, then looked at the Jedi before Kitar tossed an open ration into the distance. It limped away the scent of the food drawing it from the trio. My name is Obi-Wan Kenobi.
he said in a soft voice as he watched the corgi beast trail off into the mists of Cato-Namoidia. I am the emissary from the Jedi Order, representing the Republic. Rogue Quarnum, she said, exhaling as she got back on her feet. And I have much less exciting credentials than you. But perhaps more liked by animals. My enthusiastic friend here is Kitar Nor. I'm supposed to be training him. She gave a short laugh, and Kita replied with a sour expression. And from Obi-Wan's raised eyebrow, she caught a bit of empathy at the give and take of their relationship. Do all guards carry sniper rifles and custom stealth equipment? He said, gesturing at her form-fitting maroon-tinted armor. If they're good enough. Rook pointed at the dormant laser sword still sitting on the ground. While I certainly believe in the idea of neutrality and independence, I also want the truth. She picked up the hilt, taking a moment to assess how such a small piece of craftsmanship carried so much energy, even weighed more than she expected. And I too believe in good faith, she said, handing the weapon back to its owner. Obi-Wan took it before nodding in approval eyes locking with Rube the entire time. Though she noticed he avoided the glare coming from Kitar. So we finally find out who told Obi-Wan to freeze, and it wasn't the best person. Kitar has an extreme prejudice against the Republic, but as always, Obi-Wan was able to talk his way out of it. Well, with the help of Rug, of course. There was some shooting in this chapter, but it was one shot at an animal, and Obi-Wan did ignite his lightsaber, so overall, it was a pretty intense chapter. And we learned a few things along the way. Kitar is hanging out with Ventress, which can't be a good thing, and Rug had never dealt with a Jedi before. But it seems that Rug is a good judge of character, because after she shoots the beast, one that was going to try to eat Obi-Wan, she fixes the wound on the beast, then hands Obi-Wan his lightsaber and introduces Kitar and herself. She states that all she wants is the truth as well. I wish Kitar would at least popped off a couple shots and Obi-Wan could have deflected them or something. That would at least been cool, but it didn't happen. So I think it's about that time that we get to the quote for this week. And this is a really famous quote brought to you by the one and only Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I'm responsible, he says. Price you pay for being successful. So what does this mean? Lando has a good thing going on Bespin. Cloud City wasn't just a Tabana gas mining colony. It was a popular tourist attraction that included gambling, you could hire a cloud car for sightseeing, and occasionally touring the local mining operation. The high-end accommodations were exclusive. The luxury resort often charged as much as 5,000 Imperial credits a night. So Lando knew that he couldn't make wrong choices. He was successful now, so he needed to be responsible. A lot of times a person will gain success, but that success will cause them to think that they can do what they want. And in the case of Bill Gates and Elon Musk, that's true. But then you have people like Mike Tyson. He's doing pretty good now, but at one time Mike didn't have two nickels to rub together. Four decisions almost cost him everything. Luckily, he's Mike Tyson, so a couple of fights, win or lose, he was back on top. But as you grow more successful, you have to make better decisions. Be more responsible with your money and who you hang around with. I think that's one of the things Lando was getting at. I'm responsible now, so I can't get involved or something like that because he ended up stabbing Han in the back, but he really didn't have a choice. So that's just the way things happen. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Join us next week for part 21 of Brotherhood. And until then, may the force be with you. 
Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>